0: Chapter Seventeen of the Friendship of Anne, a story by Ellen Douglas Delane. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A few days after this, when the clang of the rising bell awoke Sydney and Elsie Brent one cold, frosty morning, when it was yet dark and while they were sleeping, inquiring of each other if it could possibly be time to get up, they were aroused to complete wakefulness by strange sounds upon their door. There were three loud taps in succession, which were repeated, after a brief interval of silence, three times. Sydney quickly opened the door. As she did, so something fell into the room with the clatter, which caused her to jump back and give a little scream of surprise. "'What in the world is it?' demanded Elsie, fumbling for the matches. "'I don't know. Do light the candle quick.' As she spoke, she heard the scuffing of feet in a distant part of the hall and a half-suppressed laugh. The lighted candle revealed a broomstick clothed in a skirt and shawl with a towel wrapped about the broom part to resemble a hood. In the dusk of the early morning, it was rather startling to have such an object fall upon one when one opened the bedroom door, and Sydney felt that she had been justified in her shriek. Pinned to the shawl was a sheet of paper on which were written the following lines. "'Sidney and Elsie are very nice girls.' WHO NEVER MAKE frizzes AND NEVER WEAR CURLS. BUT WITH DEAR LITTLE BRAIDINGS THEY DO UP THEIR HAIR, AND SMOOTH IT AND TIE IT AND FIX IT WITH CARE. THEY NEVER TELL STORIES, NOR WRITE HORRID LETTERS, INVENTING STRANGE TALES AND INSULTING THEIR BETTERS. AND SO WE ALL LIKE THEM AND WANT THEM TONIGHT, WHEN THE CANDLES ARE LIGHTED AND STARS SHINING BRIGHT. TO COME TO A ROOM ON THE SECOND FOREFRONT. IT IS EASILY FOUND, BUT IF NOT, THEY MUST HUNT, WHERE A FEAST WILL BE SPREAD WITH SOME GOODIES FROM TOWN, FOR A BOX HAS BEEN SENT TO DEAR MARIAN BROWN. DON'T MENTION THIS SUMMONS, NOR BREATHE TO A CREATURE, THAT A PARTY IS ON. IF YOU DO, WHEN I MEET YER, YOU'LL BE SORRY ENOUGH that you didn't obey the K.Q. has ordered there's no more to say but that nine is the hour and mum is the word if you whisper a sound you are sure to be heard elsie and sydney read this poem with an interest that may easily be imagined what do they mean asked sydney the beginning is so queer It all seems like a hit at Bertha, the frizzes and curls part, but this about writing letters. I remember you kept talking about letters, Elsie, when I first began to know you well. What letters were written? Oh, don't ask me anything, said Elsie. I don't want to have anything to do with it. If you want to know, ask Anne or somebody else. But as long as the fuss has blown over and you and Anne are all right again, what is the use of saying anything more about it? I suppose they had some reason for putting that in the beginning of the invitation. I suppose they wanted us to understand why they liked us and were ready to take us back into favor. They have always liked you, said Sydney. I was the one. Well, there's evidently going to be a feast in Marion Brown's room. Yes, it will be fun. I suppose Anne wrote this. She is so fond of rhyming. She read the lines again. If you don't hurry up and begin to braid your hair and smooth it and tie it and fix it with care, you'll be late to breakfast and get a reprimand and perhaps get punished and perhaps not be able to go to the feast prophesied Elsie darkly. "'Oh, goody!' exclaimed Sydney. recalled to the present moment. "'I forgot all about breakfast. Now, who but Anne would have ever thought of going to all this trouble and dressing up a broomstick to bring the summons? What will she do next? I wonder if Bertha got a poem?' But when the members assembled at the appointed hour that evening— bertha macy and julia clark were not among them they had received no invitation of any kind much less a poem and the affair had been carried through with such secrecy that they were as yet ignorant of the fact that a feast was to be held by nine o'clock in the evening every girl at the wickersham school was supposed to be in bed Miss Abby had made the usual round of the rooms, tapping at each door, and after asking if each girl was there and needed nothing, had bidden good-night to each by name and gone on her way downstairs, with the pleasant consciousness of having performed her duty. It can scarcely be imagined that the Mrs. Wickersham did not know that these feasts were occasionally held after bedtime. But as they did not occur very often, and were usually of not very long duration, the teachers no doubt considered it wiser to pay no attention to them, and if possible, to keep up a semblance of ignorance. They had sufficient experience to know that girls will be girls as well as boys boys. But the members of the KQC, did not credit the Mrs. Wickersham with so much forbearance, and the most thrilling part of their evening meetings was the necessity for secrecy and quiet. So shortly after nine o'clock, with stealthy movements and extreme caution, one after another the girls who had been bidden crept out of their rooms and silently stole towards that of Marion Brown. No one knocked, but turned the handle of her door as noiselessly as possible, and entered. Not a word was said at first. When nine girls had assembled, Anne Talbot, who had been sitting on the floor in a corner of the room, rose to her feet. She spoke in a loud, piercing whisper. I think you are all here who were summoned, she said. Will the secretary please call the roll? the secretary did as she was commanded every name was answered in the same shrill whisper now commanded Anne, lock the door this was done and now the feast was the president's next order without a word marian brown and her roommate gertrude king opened the closet door there was a movement of breathless suspense when the hostess turned again towards the company It was a difficult matter for the company to repress its enthusiasm. There was a large cake with icing. There were quantities of little cakes along with icing, white, pink, and brown. There were oranges and bananas. There was, oh joy of joys, a coconut. Marion Brown was particularly fond of a coconut in its natural shape and Marion Brown's family knew it. In fact, she had never allowed them to forget the fact. There was an large box of assorted candies, and another containing only chocolates. There were crackers and olives and pickles and nuts and crowning delicacy, a jar of orange marmalade. Is it any wonder that the members of the KQC found it a difficult thing to limit the expression of their appreciation to a whisper, the whispers became a silubent hiss of delight, and when these dainties were arranged upon the bed, the table was far too small to accommodate the half of them, the girls needed no invitation to draw nearer. Of course there were not chairs enough, even though some of the nearer neighbors had carried them in from their rooms, so those who had none knelt about the bed, which after all brought them closer to the center of attraction than would any commonplace chair. The little cates had been distributed. The large one was in the act of being cut. Marion had just began to meditate on the best means of noiselessly opening the coconut, when a thrilling sound broke upon their ears. Someone was trying the handle of the door. How long it had already continued, no one knew. It was evident that the person, whoever it may be, was being impatient. The girls looked at one another for the briefest instant. "'Quick!' whispered Anne, and caught up the corner of the bedspread marion and gertrude on the other side followed her example before the others could fully grasp the situation the spread had been gathered into the shape of a bag and in that bag rolled the reckless confusion the cakes candy fruit marmalade nuts and pickles which so short a time before had been so had been temptingly displayed upon the bed Into the closet went the goodies, and with them went two of the girls. Two more hid behind the head of the bed, which jutted out from the wall. Three crawled underneath, and Gertrude King jumped into it, pulling the coverings well up over her head. This left two girls unprovided for, and they proved to be Marion Brown and Anne Talbot and put her hand to her head and rocked to and fro in pretended anguish i've got an awful headache she whispered or some dreadful pain of some kind that's why i'm here i came for your mustard plasters or something oh this pain this pain her groans became so fervid and heart-rending that the girls under the bed began to giggle hysterically. "'Hush!' moaned Anne. "'My head! My head!' In the meantime, the rattling of the door handle had continued with unabated vigor and determination. "'It is probably Miss Wickersham herself,' whispered Gertrude, emerging for a brief moment from the bedclothes. "'Marian, do open the door and act as if you were very sleepy.' "'Marion did as she was bidden. "'She drew the bolt, yawned, opened the door a crack. "'Who is it?' she asked. "'Is it you, Miss Abbey?' "'She opened the door a little further, "'only to behold Bertha Macy and Julia Clark. "'Let us in, let us in,' whispered Bertha. "'We never got our summons, "'and only found out by the merest chance.' that you are having a feast. She pushed her way in as she spoke, closely followed by Julia. Marian Brown, who was not of the secret committee and therefore knew nothing of its projected action in regard to Bertha and Julia, made no effort to prevent their coming. In fact, she was too much surprised to say or do anything. The other girls emerged from their hiding places gertrude sat up in bed and anne her head making remarkably quick recovery stood spellbound in the middle of the room for once she was at a loss for words not so bertha however where is the feast she asked i don't see a sign of anything to eat i hope you haven't eaten it all up before we got here that would be too mean This speech put the finishing touch to Anne's indignation, which had been rapidly increasing during her silence. Perhaps because of it, she took a step forward. "'Bertha Macy,' she exclaimed, "'you certainly are the worst I ever did know.' She made a perceptible pause after each word, which was very impressive. Even the intrepid Bertha... "'felt a thrill of something that resembled fear. "'Don't you know,' continued Anne, "'that people don't usually go to parties "'unless they are invited?' "'She quite forgot to whisper. "'I do know,' said Bertha, also in a loud voice, "'that this is a club meeting, "'and we're members of the club and ought to be here. "'No, you aren't. "'No, you're not. "'You're not members.' You have been dropped. Do you think we'd have members that wrote anonymous letters about other members and told scandal and read other people's letters? For I am perfectly sure that is what you did. Anne, said Dorothy, fearing, are you saying too much? You mustn't. You don't really know and you oughtn't to talk that way. BEFORE ALL THE OTHER GIRLS. AS SHE SAID THIS, HER KIND LITTLE FACE FULL OF DISTRESS, BERTHA TURNED AND LOOKED AT HER. THEN, WITHOUT A WORD, BERTHA AND JULIA LEFT THE ROOM. NOW, SAID ANNE, LET'S GO ON WITH THE FEAST. SHE OPENED THE CLOSET DOOR AND LIFTED UP THE MASS OF STUFF, JUMBLED INTO THE SPREAD. As she turned with it in her arms, there was another knock upon the door of the room, and almost immediately it was opened from without. This time the newcomer was Miss Abby Wickersham. "'Young ladies, there seems to be a great deal of noise this evening. Miss Talbot, why are you here? Miss Carter, too, and Miss Fearing. Why, what does this mean?' Why are you not all in your rooms and in bed? It was a question, or rather a series of questions, that no one seemed inclined or able to answer. I shall report the matter at once to Miss Wickersham, continued Miss Abby. In the meantime, go to your own rooms without a moment's delay. What are you hiding in that bundle, Miss Talbot? Why, what is it? "'It looks like the bedspread, but what is dropping from it? "'Put it down on the floor, if you please, and open it.' Anne did as she was told. "'Miss Abby looked at its contents "'and gave an exclamation of astonishment, mingled with disgust. "'What is this horrid stuff?' she demanded. "'Cake? Pickles? Broken glass?' Carry it down at once to the kitchen and let it be thrown away. You have ruined the spread, young ladies. The whole affair is disgraceful. Go to your rooms immediately. Miss Talbot, when you have carried that to the kitchen, you may come to Miss Wickersham's study. Miss King and Miss Brown, please come with me. I am completely astonished at such conduct." it was certainly a tragic ending to Marion Brown's box from home. The culprits did as they were bidden, and when they finally emerged from Miss Wickersham's study and retired once more to their rooms, they wore the aspect of punished dogs, although Miss Wickersham's only whip had been her caustic tongue. The matter did not end here, however. Anne Talbot, being perfectly convinced that Bertha and Julia had retaliated upon them for not being invited to the party by informing Miss Abbey of it, determined to take strenuous measures at once. The secret committee held a secret meeting the following day, and a formal notice was drawn up in which Bertha and Julia were informed that they were no longer considered desirable members of the KQC. You are hereby informed, so ran the notice in what was considered fine legal phraseology, that you are suspended forever from taking part in the meetings of the KQC. You are herein notified that the KQC means KQC and that KQC means keep quiet club. To keep quiet, Means not to tell tales, not to make up things, not to gossip, not to say disagreeable things about anybody, not to be hateful in any way, shape, or manner. The secret committee thinks you have been all these things, and therefore the KQC bids you farewell. It will be to your advantage now to keep quiet. This notice was to be sent to the two girls the next day, as soon as it should be properly copied by the secretary. Of course there was much excitement and speculation in the school about the whole affair, the interrupted feast, the displeasure of Miss Wickersham, and, above all, the dark suspicion that Bertha and Julia had been the means of it becoming known to the teacher's. Bertha and Julia were let severely alone, and Anne was the center of the largest group, as usual. Elsie Brent refused to take any part in the proceedings, but went off by herself, and Sydney and Dolly hovered anxiously on the outskirts of Anne's circle. At last Dolly could bear it no longer. She disliked a quarrel with all her heart and she determined to do what she could to mend matters. The first thing necessary was to take Sydney into her confidence, and therefore she asked her to walk with her in the afternoon. They hurried to the path through the woods and over the hill, where they would be safe from interruption. There was little snow to be seen now, and the day was mild for the season of the year, although the ground was still frozen. Sydney said Dorothy, plunging at once into her subject, something has got to be done. I think Anne is too hard on Bertha. We don't really know that she told Miss Abby. We were making a lot of noise last night, and very likely Miss Abby heard us and was coming anyway to find out what it was. Of course that is not, the only reason they are turning these girls out of the kqc but because of you because of me repeated sydney yes i hate to speak of it but i really think i'd better of course you know about those letters no i don't i've heard about letters but i never really knew i was perfectly miserable at thanksgiving time and until after Christmas, because Anne was so queer and cool to me, and I knew there were letters mixed up in it somehow, but I didn't ask her about them when we became friends again, because I just couldn't, and Elsie advised me to let things go without any more talking. Elsie has a lot of sense, but it concerns more than you now, and I think you ought to know. In a few words, Dorothy told her the whole story. The letters, the affair at the Talbots, Bertha and Julia's version of the Stuart's Troubles, Anne's indignation, her sudden conviction that Bertha had written the letters, and now the determination to dismiss Bertha and Julia from the club. Now, continued Dorothy, I want to know what you think. Of course, it was an awful thing for Bertha to do. Perfectly hateful, and she has made a great deal of trouble. But at the same time, I don't think any of us were perfect. We all talk too much, and we have thought things. We none of us have kept the rules of the club about being quiet. Oh, Sydney, I hope I haven't said too much." "'No, you haven't,' said Sidney, struggling to retain her composure. "'I'm glad you told me the whole thing, Dolly. "'It was kinder to do so. "'But of course it, it makes me terrible to know that poor Phil has been so much talked about "'and, and such awful things said.' "'But no one believed them, Sidney. "'Not one person believed it was the way Julia's aunt said it was.' "'And Anne and all of us love you all the better for having been through so much. "'Yes, I know. I feel all right about Anne's friendship now and yours, Dolly. "'And Elsie has been my friend all the way through. "'And now what do you want me to do?' "'Why,' said Dolly simply, "'I want you to be kind to Bertha and Julia.' I don't believe they really meant to be as hateful as they were, and you are the only one who can get things straightened out. What I mean is that if you are willing, I will talk to Anne and talk to Bertha. I think Bertha has more to do with it than Julia, and see if I can patch up a pace End of chapter 17. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.